looking for someone to work with on the cover art for this podcast, I knew I wanted to find someone who would get it. Not just the concept of the podcast, but someone who truly understood how important representation and minority storytelling is. When I found Mel and had our initial chat, I knew she was the one. Mel is a 25-year-old Indonesian-born Kiwi currently living in Perth, Australia. She is a freelance graphic designer and she also owns a recycled and repurposed materials business called Ivy Club, where she creates scrunchies and face masks. In our conversation, we talk about life in the new world of the COVID-19 pandemic, what it's really like working as a freelancer, and her experience growing up as an Indonesian person in New Zealand. Note that we recorded this interview earlier in 2021, so some of our comments relating to COVID will be out of date. Welcome to the podcast, Mel. How's it going? Good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Have you had a busy morning so far? You're based in Perth, aren't you? So you're like five Mm. hours behind? Yeah, I am five hours behind New Zealand. Um, I have had like back-to-back meetings since about 10 this morning. So it's been a crazy day so far. I've been pretty busy. That sounds so painful. I really hate meetings. <laughs> yeah, like luckily at the moment we haven't needed to go face-to-face because Perth's now in another lockdown, unfortunately. So we're all kind of um, a strict lockdown at home. Uh, everyone's kind of panicking because it's the first time we're wearing masks. You guys have um, had it pretty good up until now, though, haven't you? Like, you've avoided, yeah, we, like, a major lockdown? Yeah, so we had a um, a big lockdown um, at the start of, like, around this time last year, actually. And that was when, you know, the whole country basically went into lockdown. The whole world went into lockdown. And then um, with the cases, everyone kind of just eased off into it. And we're like, okay, cool, we're pretty much back to normal besides the whole social distancing and maximum capacity in restaurants kind of thing. Um, we haven't had any cases for like 10 months and now we're, we have one case and everyone's like in serious lockdown that we can't leave the house unless an hour exercise, we have to wear a mask. So everyone's kind of in a little bit of a panic mode. <laughs> it sounds like New Zealand though, which to be honest, I think is the best response. Like you hear of one case and all of a sudden everything is just shut down to kind of stamp it out early. Yeah, exactly. Because like I'd much rather everyone's kind of like, okay, we're all going to be at home for um, five days. They've, they've done this lockdown for five days. Hopefully it ends on Friday. But I'd rather that than the guy walking around and everyone's still out and about and just saying like, hey, just letting you know we've got one case, but feel free to go about your minds. So I'd probably freak out and be like, I'm going to quarantine and lock down myself. Thank you. Yeah, because you're responsible. I am responsible. (laughs) So you moved over to Perth from Auckland, didn't you? So you grew up in Auckland and then you moved to Australia when? I moved uh, from New Zealand to Australia in 2014. So I went for university and then I moved back and then moved again. So this time around, I've been here for two years coming to three. Cool. And what was behind the decision to go to uni in Australia? I had this ambitious mind that I can juggle basically four majors um, into two. The degree that I graduated in, which is creative advertising and graphic design, if I were to do that course in New Zealand, I would have graduated as a double major, but because they offered it as one here, I could do a double major in photography and illustrations as well as creative advertising graphic design and then after first year I kind of thought 
you are killing yourself, so maybe you should drop the other thing. So I only did creative advertising and graphic design. <laughs> wow, that is a lot. So you really did all the creative things. Yeah, pretty much. So if you ever needed anything, just everything and anything, I pretty much did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so you are currently freelancing, but you used to work for an agency? Yeah, so I was working full-time uh, from the start of 2019 until basically when the first lockdown happened. So when everyone was uh, working from home in March last year, I was now working for my own business. Uh, so yeah, I just freelance from whenever and wherever in my little one-bedroom apartment. So whether or not that's the couch or my bedroom. Why did you decide to go the freelance route? I have been in the creative like design industry now uh, for probably coming into four years this year, fifth year. So I graduated in 2017 and from 2017 to 2018, so within that span of two years, I was working full-time nonstop in uh, a total of three different jobs. So I was working for a bit for maternity leave and then I didn't get given a full-time role and then I got a full-time role and then I got made redundant and then I was freelancing for a bit and I kind of got a taste of it. And then I moved to Perth and thought, oh, maybe I could just freelance on my own. And then I became like depressed basically because I kind of thought that everything would align and graphic designers can work from anywhere, blah, blah, blah. Turns out that wasn't the case and I needed to work a little bit harder on it. So I ended up working full time again at an ad agency and then I quit this time last year. So it's almost a year now that I've done freelancing. Did Corona come into your considerations or were you just like, you know, screw it, like this is what I want to do? So when I started having thoughts about doing freelancing, it was like 2019 November. And at the time, coronavirus wasn't like a big thing yet. Like everyone kind of knew that it was happening in China, I think around December or something like that. Um, so I kind of just went, I've had enough of this. I want to be my own boss. And it was mainly just because our values weren't aligning. And I think because I'm in such a creative industry, I kind of felt like the freedom and the ability to create whatever I want that could work was being restricted, if that makes sense. So I wasn't kind of drawing or creating whatever I wanted. And that really affected uh, the outcome and the willingness to go to work every single day just became like, it became like a force that I had to do every single day to live. So I hated it. And I was like, you know what, let's just do it and see what happens. <laughs> I feel a lot of people probably feel like that, not necessarily only in creative industries, but in many areas of work. But I don't feel like a lot of people feel they can take the leap to do freelancing or take their work or career into their own hands. Yeah, most definitely. Like I think it is a possibility for everyone, but I also kind of think that it's not for everyone a lot of people would think that it would be the best way to do it and you get more flexibility and you can work in your own office and, you know, I could be pyjamas down and I'm like all nice and neat up the top, which is basically what everyone gets advertised as work for yourself. This is what you can have. Mm. But a lot of it does take into play. Like, you know, if you are in a different circumstance than me, I'm 25. So I kind of currently don't have any liability that I can use my age and how young I am to my advantage. Whereas if I was, say, 
40 and had like three kids and I needed to have a stable income to to work and you know put food on the table and that kind of thing there may be like a different type of way that you'd be thinking about it you wouldn't have financial stability you'd have so many things to think about like pay off the house take your kids to school it's just yeah so it's it really depends on who you are as a person but not necessarily what you do in the industry yeah I really like that you appreciate how layered it can be because it's easy enough to say you know don't listen to everybody else just do what you want to do chase your dreams but in reality that that is coming from a place of immense privilege to be able to take that leap to follow your dreams or whatever it is that you want to do whereas you know there are a lot of people who have debts to pay off who have families to support it's not always possible to simply chase their dreams or do what they want yeah exactly like I mean I personally feel like you would have time to chase your dreams whenever you want, but it may not be the same timeline as everyone else. And I think that um, this applies to not just work-related, but also with statuses and the fact that, you know, I'm in the age group now where my friends that I graduated high school with are getting engaged and buying houses and getting married and having babies. And, you know, from someone that is in the same age group, you're kind of like, when is that happening for me? So am I kind of behind with everyone because I'm not doing exactly what everyone else is doing? And I think like with the um, freelancing and owning your own job, um, owning your own job, owning your own company, doing your own business applies the same way. You know, like you could see other people that are in the same age range as you and be like, I am now a successful dude that owns Amazon. And you're like sitting at home with three kids and trying not to pull your hair out, you know? So <laughs> It really depends on the situation and circumstances, but it also means that everyone is in their own timeline and in their own path. That it's I know that's very easy to compare and contrast, but you know, there there will be a time that you can fulfill your dreams. So what do you think, just off the top of your head, the biggest myths are about freelancing? I fully thought that maybe I had way more flexibility than I did. Like I do have flexibility now, but there will come a time where I'd have to work pretty late in the night because my laptop is at home. You know, my living room is also my office and also a space where I watch Netflix. So if there's a time where I kind of think, okay, well, this person needs something urgently, then I need to jump on and do work. There wouldn't be an excuse for me to do so because I'm right next to my laptop. Whereas I think if you're working full time, if you weren't in the office and it's after hours at 5 p.m., everyone kind of already has the knowledge that, okay, I can't talk to you because you're no longer at your desk. Whereas now I'm always at my desk technically. Um, It's just who will appreciate your time. So boundaries as well with flexibility. I, like I said, live in a one bedroom, one bathroom apartment. So the only place that I can technically work is the living room or my bedroom. And I try really hard not to bring my work into the bedroom just because, you know, this is the place where you're supposed to wind down, relax and go to sleep. Um, But as I'm recording this right now, I'm in my bedroom because my partner's working from home and he's kicked me out of the living room. So, you know, having that um, boundary in place is really good because then you would know that, okay, six o'clock, I shouldn't be working if I don't need to turn off everything don't touch anything. And I kind of wish that I had like an office in my house that I can close off at the end of the day. But you know, you kind of have to work with what you're given and everyone else would be exactly on the same boat because no one really planned to be working from home for God knows how long. (laughs) That's kind of crazy to think about it and how how quickly the time has passed. (laughs) Yeah, like I fully thought that 
it was just going to be such a long year. But 2020 went by so fast. I don't even know where it went. Like magically it was Christmas and everyone wasn't in the Christmas spirit. Like they're all, Christmas should not happen right now. It was just strange. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So let's talk a bit about your background. So do you mind maybe giving a rundown of just where you're from and where you grew up? Sure. So I am an Indonesian ethnic, but brought up in New Zealand. So I was brought up in a city called Surabaya in Indonesia until I was about seven. And then I moved to New Zealand and I was there for my primary school and my high school. So I basically say that I'm an Indonesian born Kiwi just because a lot of my life I've been living in New Zealand. Mm. And then I moved over to Perth at 18 when I went to university. Mm. Yeah. Do you remember much from your Indonesian life? When I was younger, because I was only seven when I moved to New Zealand, I kind of feel like the main parts of your life is from then onwards. Anything before seven, I don't really remember much except for the fact that I lived in a house and then moved to an apartment building. And I lived in an apartment building for basically, I think, like a majority of my life, maybe five or six years of my life. And every single day that I would go to school, I would be in like a carpool system. So I'd get out of the apartment and go straight into a van, go to school, and then come back and repeat the process all over again. But I do remember one thing when I was in primary school. Every single Monday morning, we do like a uniform check. So everyone would have to put their hands on the table and you have to have your nails cut. Your uniform has to be crisp and clean. Your hair has to be up and out of your face and your shoes had to be polished. And if you had to kneel on the floor, your skirt would be touching the floor. So it had to be over the knee. And I remember as a discipline, and someone forgot to cut the nails or they had nails painted or something and they got whacked with a ruler and it kind of just like scared the whole class into it and I'm like a goody two-shoes so I always hyperventilate like I'm that type of person when you see a police car drive past and you know you've done nothing wrong still hyperventilate that you probably did something wrong um <laughs> so that and always get yourself scared into me. trouble <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I didn't do anything wrong in the first place, but I could be in trouble now. (laughs) Okay, so in terms of your memories of Indonesia, then you don't really have much to draw from. So do you remember much about moving to New Zealand? Because I always say that, so for me personally, I was so young that I don't remember the process of moving here. But for people who were a little bit older, it can be quite difficult. I moving at seven, as much as it's a time where you start to create memories, it didn't impact me as much as I thought. So for me, the difficult part was trying to adapt into the new schooling system. It wasn't the fact that we moved countries and trying to live a new life in another country. It was trying to live a new life in a new country and a new school. I moved in year two. I guess, you know, a lot of people would start their schooling in year one when everyone is all brand new, don't have any friends yet. It's the time where you make friends. So year two was a little difficult for me because one, I started at the end of the year. So probably like term four, which is the end of the second year. So almost year three, really. And everyone has already established friendships and cliques. But because I'm a fresh off the boat little kid um, into a year two class, not knowing that much English as well. 
it was very difficult. I ended up getting bullied by a few of the girls in my class because I couldn't speak English. I think up until that point, I didn't even think about, I didn't query myself with the fact that I'm starting with a new school and I wasn't going to make any friends. I kind of just thought, okay, well, I'm starting a new school. That's it. And then with the fact that I kind of got neglected and was not making any friends at all in class. I was basically friends with whoever didn't have any other friends. Fortunately, I was only in that class for two months of the year. And then came January, we were in a new year. So there were new people that came in and, you know, everyone was mixed up again. So not everyone was stuck in those clicks anymore. So it made it a little bit easier to make new friends. Do you remember... A, the reason why your parents wanted to move you guys to New Zealand and B, what it was like for them adjusting to New Zealand society. So my dad went to university in Canterbury, so in Christchurch, and he was kind of familiar with um, what it would be like to live in New Zealand, I guess. I don't actually know the main reason behind it, but it could just be that my dad had a like a job opportunity in Auckland that he couldn't pass up so that it would be better for us and my sister. At the time, it was just my sister. My brother was born in New Zealand. But the four of us to be moving into New Zealand for a better life that my dad kind of thought would be better for us to be brought up in a Western country than continuing to work in a, like in Indonesia, which is, I feel like, classified as a third world country. I'd love to go back every single time to see family, but that's basically it. I don't really see myself living there anymore. And with the divide of Muslim and Chinese Indonesians, it's always a massive riot over there. There's always some sort of um, protesting and presidential elections and the corruption in that country. And I think my dad just wanted us to get away from all of that and be in like a better and safer environment. In terms of how my parents felt moving, Um, I personally have no idea. I have never had to talk to them about how they felt when they moved or why they felt like they needed to move. Did your parents always maintain a strong connection with your Indonesian culture for you and your siblings? Yeah, they did, which was really great. Like I uh, was brought up in an Indonesian household that we, you know, have Indonesian food. We would be friends with other Indonesian families. We would go to any events that would be Indonesian, whether it be a food event or anything to do with the Independence Day. So um, we were brought up very heavily on the Indonesian background in that sense. Like, I kind of feel like it wasn't really forced upon but we also weren't neglecting that we were Indonesian. So we wouldn't be going around wearing traditional Indonesian clothing all day, every day, or, you know, whatever we had to eat was just Indonesian. Like we fully branched ourselves out into the westernized world without taking away that Indonesian background. I think it's just because I'm so familiar with how I was brought up that, you know, being in New Zealand was part of how I grew up that not necessarily completely forgetting where my roots were from, that I'm not, you know, Indonesian anymore in that sense, but I wasn't really in a space and in a home where my parents were like, you're Indonesian, act like you're Indonesian. I did like experience a lot of uh, social identity with the fact that a lot of the clothing that I would have wouldn't necessarily be what is currently on trend with whatever was happening at school. So, you know, when 
people get Tamagotchis when we were at school. You know, like if I didn't have one, that means I wasn't rich enough to, to own one. Or if I wasn't walking around in some really cool, like, shoes, then, you know, I wasn't cool enough to hang out with anyone else. And I think that was where it kind of, like, kicked in because a lot of the clothes that I would have would be from either, one, my mum made them. <laughs> oh, yeah. We we all have those pieces, don't we, um, where our mum's, like, sew or knit something for us. Yeah, exactly. But like, you know, at the time, I don't know if you felt like this, but at the time we kind of went, oh my gosh, like you can't afford to buy me a real one that you'd make me one. Like the year before, if we knew that we had to get new uniforms, especially when I was in um, in school, I went through three uniform changes with my primary school. So I understand now that it's stupid to have one child go through three sets of uniforms and be able to afford it and then buy also a second set for my younger sister because we have four years gap between the two of us so there's a time when we're at school at the same time and it just makes a lot more sense now that if you could make it then why not yeah it makes a lot more sense when you're an adult but I think when you're a child and when you're a teenager all you want to do is fit in right so yeah you don't want to potentially stand out from your peers and yeah I totally relate about the school uniform thing because as I told you in our last chat when I was at primary school my mum knitted a cardigan for me that was part of the school uniform like it was the same colors but it was uh, knitted rather than like the cotton pullover and she put her own touch on it by knitting a golden bow on each pocket that she put in the front. And it was so embarrassing for me at the time, but I have come to really appreciate all the things that she did, not only just to save money, but to show, you know, like her love as well, because yeah, making clothes is not easy. (laughs) No, it's not. It's a lot time consuming as well. Like imagine how long it would have taken for her to, knit that for you the whole time and then sew the little bow on it yeah and like to have your bratty little kid be like no I don't want to wear that (laughs) I want to wear the ugly school cardigan (laughs) exactly and like do you realize like the whole point of everyone having a uniform is the fact that everyone is meant to look exactly the same and like you know you have like this one little thing that makes you a little bit stand out because there's a gold bow on it and you know yourself that it's not the the same jumper that it just immediately thinks that everyone's like looking at you funny and everyone's mocking you and you know like you're not meant to be here and you're not right yeah exactly I vividly remember trying to cover the bows with my arms even though they were so massive that you couldn't hide them but honestly like no one said anything at least I don't remember my memory is not very good from those days but um at the end of the day it's such a small thing but when you're that age it's just magnified because that's all there is in your world yeah exactly like what else would you be thinking about the fact that like whatever lunch you had was better than everyone else's because everyone else had sandwiches and we got like (laughs) rice and leftovers for dinner, you know? Yeah. My children are not getting sandwiches. (laughs) They're getting They're going to get five course meals. Yes. They're going to get like curry rice, sushi, stir fried vegetables. (laughs) Yum. Yum. That was another thing as well. I used to be mad at my mum for not letting me buy food at the tuck shop. 
because she would pack me like lunches and things every single day. And she's like, well, why am I making you lunch if you just want to buy food every single time? And I kind of thought if everyone else is getting a pie for lunch or noodle snacks or whatever it was, like I could be as well. Compared to the lunches that your mum probably made, like a tuck shop pie, it will never compare. Exactly. And I'm like, why am I so ungrateful as a child? Mm. Like, I need to let my future children listen to this podcast and be like, you are grateful for your rolled sushi that I made for you this morning at 5am. You better be grateful or else. (laughs) Don't come home. (laughs) Cool. So what does it mean to you then to be an Indonesian-born Kiwi? I personally just feel like being able to say that is such a huge privilege in how I grew up because I was able to experience another life in another culture in another country that my parents didn't have when they grew up so that they were giving a new opportunity and a new lifestyle to their children. And, you know, I think that New Zealand, even though it's such a small country, it's such it's made such a huge impact and a huge change in the world. I'm proud that I came, that I come from New Zealand and I was able to experience that Saying that I am an Indonesian-born Kiwi means that I am accepting and I love the fact that I am Indonesian and that I got to live in New Zealand for a majority of my life. I've taken so many things from, you know, what my parents have brought me up with as an immigrant parent, you know, immigrant parents in a westernized country and how that has impacted me throughout my life that, you know, like I'm so grateful that I wasn't going through hardships or having any further pressure than an Asian parent pressure. Looking back on it now, I'm like, well, I had a great life. I wasn't forced to do anything. I was going about my whole day and I am the person that I am today because I was brought up in that way from my parents as an Indonesian immigrant in New Zealand. So it's definitely something that I'm going to be passing on to my kids. Well, um, I will leave it there because I know I've taken up a lot of your time already. But thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey so far. I think I forgot to mention it before, but you actually designed my logo and helped me put together all the color themes and stuff for my podcast. So if anyone is looking for someone to do their logo and artwork... You know who to get in touch with. (laughs) It was so much fun to create it though, because your podcast is the first one that I made an artwork for. So I was so excited. Oh, nice. And thank you for being so patient. You guys have no idea how many back and forths (laughs) went on. Like, I was just like, oh, can you change this? No, can you go back to that? (laughs) I I think I was like a graphic designer's worst nightmare. Thank you for listening to Not Your Token Minority. If you or someone you know are interested in sharing your story with me or just having a good old chat, then visit notyourtokenminority.com and fill in the form at the bottom. I really appreciate your support, so don't forget to subscribe, leave a review and follow on social media. Just search for Not Your Token Minority Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.